1: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio.
3: You heard it. Cofield here in Sin City. Buzzing, buzzing. Sin City. Great weekend on the way. RJ Bell is here. Alum of the Ohio State University.
2: And tonight in the wise guy chair, Brad Powers. I've heard some of his takeaways on the Buckeye game. (laughs) Not so
3: wise. The Vegas lead. We start with the all-important Cotton Bowl. Ohio State twenty four seven against USC. My God, the Twitter sphere. Leave Sam Darnold alone. We'll get to that inside of five minutes and see what's actionable moving forward on Sam. But Ohio State wins twenty four seven. The line got bet from seven and a half to ten today. So everyone, Ohio, Ohio State got an easy win, and as Steve Desager just said, dominant victory by the Buckeyes. Brad and and
2: listen, Steve, uh, let's be candid. Straight out of Vegas is on three hundred thirty stations. From C to Shiny C, Sirius 83, iHeartRadio app. I mean, we're talking to as many people right now as anyone in the world. And when a guy like Steve, who is, I mean, validated by that, when he says dominated, you got to believe it. I'm not sure anyone should have the guts to contradict it. Brad, what was your
4: takeaway of the game? Uh, did not see the same game everyone else did. That was not domination. Maybe domination in the coaching department, as far as having a team prepared to, to play a game. Uh, I'll give River Meyer credit for that. I thought USC well, that's was...
2: Right. I, I bet he'll sleep better tonight. <laughs>
4: oh, nice. <laughs> but, you know, when you're getting out gained by 150 yards, that's not domination. When USC's inside your 40-yard line seven times and comes away with seven points, that's not domination. That, that actually seems like the definition of domination. It does. Well, that was USC inside Ohio State's 40-yard no, line. That's what I'm
2: saying, and they can't score. It's one thing to get 10 yards, 20 yards, and then when it's like, uh-oh, we better tighten up, we do every time. I mean, first of all, let's agree with the following. is What was the turnover margin? Uh plus three for ohio uh, for Ohio State. Okay. so when you when when you get the turnovers like that, and especially when there's a pick six specifically, it can be difficult when you have short fields or and with a pick six, you have a whole possession that you get no yardage. The yards are gonna look good for the other team. I mean, if you do just do the, you know, looking at where they started, uh, their drives, It only makes sense that a team who is plus three in turnovers isn't going to look great on the
4: yardage. Agreed or disagree? Absolutely agree. And here's where I also will give you a little bit. Yards per play, the favorite wise guy stat. Ohio State, 6.1. USC, 5.1. Domination, yeah, I mean, advantage. I'm not going to sit here and say USC should have won the game, but I am going to say USC probably should have covered the closing number of 10. So
2: let me ask you this. Other than yardage which we've pointed at, and I think there's some rationale to why the Buckeyes yardage numbers aren't great. What else about that game? And, ta- and honestly, take your time because we're kind of saying things here and I'm not hearing the rationale. So what is it? Because if I'm a Buckeye fan, which I am, and I, let's, let me take off my professional batter hat and put my fan hat on for a second, it seems to me USC, where were they in your power ratings entering this game? Right around number ten. All right. So it seems to me that now Ohio State has more good wins than any team
3: in the country. I mean, I, I don't even think it's. Do you not uh, think this is a good win? I mean, oh, USC, I think you, it's a good win. I I, just, mean, you, I. I wonder how you grade. And I'm not just saying you, but in general, USC was a juggernaut on the ground for most of the season. They rushed for 57 yards, one six a carry, and in pass protection, they got the Darnold eight times. A little that's bit, pretty
4: damn dominant. It is dominant as far as getting pressure on him. I think the play calling for USC led into that. Didn't roll Darnold out of the pocket. And we'll get into that as far as the criticism of the USC coaching staff. But also, I mean, so, USC's so, so, down 24 0. They're not going to go to the ground game. I mean, honestly, I'm always skeptical. I don't care who
2: it is. I'm always skeptical of someone who's not a coach critiquing coaching because. It's like a a non-grandmaster at chess saying, oh, you should move your knight. It's like, well, maybe at the level we're looking at it, the knight's a good move, but they're looking seven moves ahead. And uh, unless we just believe USC has total incompetence at coaching, there's probably a reason they did what they did, right? Right. So it might not seem obvious to us. We're thinking like if we're playing Madden, oh, hey, they're coming hard from the left edge. Maybe I should roll right. But obviously this is seven levels beyond that, right? So, I mean, was USC's coaching atrocious this year? No, absolutely not. So why would it be atrocious now?
4: I, I wouldn't say atrocious is the right word. I would say questionable would be uh, the right word.
2: Okay, but I mean, every that's what I don't understand is when someone has a narrative in their head that, oh, I don't want this to be a, and who knows where the narrative comes from, but I don't want this to be a dominant performance by the Buckeyes, then it's like, well, you know, uh, the left tackle got hurt in the second quarter, or, oh, you know, that one play call, if it would have been different, that coach it's like, what make the case that USC didn't get dominated.
4: All right, average, you know, in college football, when you get inside your opponent's 40-yard line, average score is 3.4 points per possession. Not against the Buckeyes? Well, I mean, of course, but I'm sure it's still 2.4. Let's give them 2.4. Seven trips... Inside the 40 yard line. I've never
2: Two. even heard. Have you ever, Cofield, have you ever heard someone talk about trips inside the
4: 40 before? Let, let's talk about inside the 20. <laughs> like you've
2: just made up a new stat.
4: Let's talk about inside the 20. Four times inside the 20, one touchdown. Did you, by the way, did you have a pick on USC? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, but okay. Look, now we got I'm it. not going to say USC should have won the game. I'm, not, I'm just saying they should have covered a closing number of 10. And I will grant you, I was against the line move. So you will not accept this premise that this performance tonight
3: means that Ohio State had a real case to get into the college football playoff. Uh, I accept that
4: premise. Okay. I, I just don't. I think they had a case prior to this game. Did not prove think a point this,
3: to you? I, I'll be honest with you. Let I mean, let's, USC was the other team being considered too. How many people had USC as the third team out? You know, hey, how I, come USC's not getting a look? I agree. The Ohio State rolled them. It wasn't a dominant score, but they took care of them. So what does that mean for I a mean, college
2: football player? You could make the case, I think, and it—it's not exactly to Brad's power ratings, but you could make the case that other than Ohio State and other than the playoff teams, USC was the next best team. I mean, so in your in your numbers, who who? Uh, Ohio State's fifth in your numbers?
4: so Yeah, the, right around five. And who's I fifth? think the market would say Ohio State maybe might be two, considering they moved you, them to a 10-point favorite over USC. So, I mean, who else is in your top
2: 10 other than the playoff teams and the Buckeyes and USC? Auburn, Penn State uh, would be two that I think would be favored over USC. And so, I mean, to me, this is – I mean, if you go back to Ohio State – and and obviously, we can talk about the Penn State win and all that, but I'm saying if you look at the run at the end of the season, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong now, it was Michigan State, it was Michigan, and then it was Wisconsin, Wisconsin yep. and then it's USC, and to win all of those games, uh, you know, obviously convincingly to some degree, though the, you know, with the quarterback situation against Wisconsin, it wasn't a cover, if I remember correctly, right? Buckeyes didn't cover that game. Ah, uh, push. It was a push. So it's like that's as good of a run as any team has had this year, and it's not even close. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Ohio State has better wins in the last three weeks. If you just look at the last three weeks of wins of Ohio State, three games, it's better than Alabama's wins the whole season. Absolutely. So, I mean, to me, this validates
3: that, that Bama, I think, got lucky to get in. How do we react in terms of action the rest of the way in these bowl games to the fact that the Big Ten
4: is 5-0 and and the SEC is 0-3? Well, I'll tell you how the market's going to react. They're going to start following those results, and they're going to be playing on the Big Ten teams and against the SEC teams. What do you think of that? Well, I, it's a case-by-case basis okay. for me. I will look to take advantage of any mispricing that I think is now warranted. Now,
2: this is a macro point, and I think it's an important one, is most of the games that matter, competitive games a college football team plays, is within their conference. Um, now, obviously, you have an Alabama play a Florida State or Ohio State playing Oklahoma, but usually it's one game at the most out of conferences that's competitive for these better teams. So really, when they're playing each other, and I had this experience when I played high school basketball, is, okay, we were a small town with 4,000 people in eastern Ohio. Okay, I'm playing at a certain level. Uh-oh, let's get on the bus, and we drive 40 minutes, and all of a sudden, we are, our center is 6'2", literally, and they've got a 6'6 center, and they're slamming. It's like, huh, we're not as good as we thought, Right. <laughs> And obviously, it's not that extreme. But when you're beating up on each other or playing each other, if conferences are weak or strong, weaker or stronger than perceived, it tends to show itself in the bowl games. And I think as each game is played, you have to reevaluate each conference. And I think at this point, you've. Oh, you know, Brad had an interesting point before the show: is SEC teams were what? Two plays away from being two and one, you're saying. So let's accept that two of those games were coin flips that went against them.
4: But when the Big Ten is five and zero, I think you've got to upgrade the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. You're upgrading the Big Ten. Here's you know one thing I would be careful of: the Pac-12 is like one and six or one and seven, one and seven. But like four of those are extreme examples. I mean, two teams playing without a quarterback, two teams playing without head coaches. Be very careful automatically selling the Pac-12 on the way back. There's a guy, Big Rob, who got a bunch of press this
3: week. He's in Vegas. He's winning hundreds of thousands of dollars at Sportsbooks. The feature was by USA Today. And as the week went along, he started getting banned at Sportsbooks. We'll tell you what's happening with Big Rob up next. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio.
1: Straight
3: out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com. For a free rate quote, Steve Cofield, R.J. Bell, Brad Powers is in the wise guy's chair. I love Vegas because there are just mythical stories that come out of Sin City, like this one that emerged in USA Today early in the week, Big Rob, this highfalutin gambler kid with no experience, doesn't seem to make smart bets, but he's betting hundreds of thousands of dollars, playing on the tables, hanging out with pro athletes. You, R.J. Bell, were featured in in the story, there's a lot to talk about with this big Rob story. Yeah, it was. A, I, I thought it was interesting, and and what I
2: thought was particularly interesting was the, I guess, rage that you saw from some, uh, what would you call inconsequential, wannabe sports handicappers, and I think in general, poker has this same phenomenon, which is. And, and one of my favorite sayings is I know some illiterate bookies that drive Cadillacs and I know brilliant batters that have trouble making their rent. <laughs> now, this is true. Yeah. And why? It's cause of the 110. right? A batter has to win 52.38% of the time to break even. And a bookie has to win 476 percent of the time to break even it's a lot easier to win 47.6 because they're betting 10 to win 11 right now forget parlays which are even worse for the batter better for the bookie even the illiterate bookies benefit from parlays so poker's the same way Right, the the people who run poker rooms in Vegas, it, it, it's more, it's going to be difficult to find a dollar bunch of people intellectually. I mean, it's very, sick like painful to talk to these people, but they keep raking every hand, right? And there's the old joke about a guy showed up, um, in the '80s, and he was the tenth best player of Hold'em in the whole world, and he went broke because he was playing with the nine best guys every day, right? So no matter how good you are, if the people are better than you at the table, well, the rake's going to kill you in the end, even if you're equal to how good those players are. So what's the point of all this? Is there's literally hundreds and hundreds of poker players that are as good at poker as literally... Real estate agents that are millionaires, let's say that you're the 200th best real estate agent in the country, you probably are a millionaire. Well, if you're the 200th best poker player, you're probably struggling to make your rent. And there's just an inherent frustration when the game is not rigged against you, but when the game's odds are against you. And it's the same thing with sports betting. Brad, for example, you were frustrated at USC. You haven't had a great season. You look at a finite number of games, and I think it's unequivocal. No one can listen to you break down a game and not think that you are as expert as you know, most anyone when it comes to college football. Even so, you've had a bad season. Billy Walters has bad seasons with all of his computers and all the different, you know, not now he's in jail. I guess it's a really bad season, but in general, Billy's had bad seasons. You can't win all the time and you've got to be really crazy good to win in the long run. So what happens is there's some really talented, hyper sharp people. And Steve, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because you were behind the counter, you know, taking bets for five years and, Now you're in the square chair and you've been a radio host for decades here in Vegas is the guys who, you know, many of them are quite knowledgeable. They usually have this real strong pettiness to anyone that wins a lot of money betting sports or anyone that gets any attention in the media because they figure, why not me? Has that been your
3: experience? Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of jealousy out there and and I don't get it. And I was wondering, well, you know, I I think the rationale is because these people are struggling to make their rent. Literally. But, but if, this, you're, if you're trying to look at a story like this, like, why is this a bad story? I mean, there might be some inaccuracies in it, but why is it a bad story for sports gambling and Vegas that there's a guy who's acting like a high roller so and betting hundreds you, of thousands of dollars? Why don't you recap
2: the story first?
3: So, the USA Today featured this big Robbie He's a 25-year-old college dropout, and the last couple of years, he has been hanging around Vegas, and he's betting... Every day, supposedly was hanging out at the ARIA. I don't know if he's allowed there anymore, but hundreds of thousands of dollars. The story says he bets upwards of 350 k on NFL Sundays, $100,000 on MLB games. He's got an Instagram account with 175,000 followers. He's got tickets up there, $100,000 game six, ALCS on the Yankees, plus 145. It also says tens of thousands of dollars on the NBA, WNBA, tennis, high school games, which you cannot bet. Incent City, so I guess he'd have to go to faraway places for that. Or Steubenville, Ohio. <laughs> that too. So, what makes people angry about a guy like this? Like, it, It's not possible he can't be winning. Where's the money coming from? I think there's a lot of legit questions here that are intriguing.
2: Well, it's real simple what makes him angry. It's literally, why ain't I getting that attention? Why not me? Me, 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 me. It's that simple. And to me when when i i know the writer josh peters and nice guy and he's no you know listen there's not many if any professional writers that are for the major news or major publications are the gambling experts so josh knows a lot about gambling he's not a gambling expert he reached out to me a few months ago and kind of asked my advice throughout this process. And what I stressed to him was, listen, you're going to get a lot of heat for this. So make sure you feel like uh, that what you're putting out there is defensible because let's be candid. He wants to be talked about too, right? Josh Peters. And thus he's going to sensationalize the story. You know, he, He's not going to hopefully, and I, I have had no experience where Josh lies, but it, it, anyone that's writing, anyone that's doing radio, anyone that's doing anything that you're trying to get attention, you want to be as sensational as you can while still being true. And some people are willing to go beyond right being true. So I really stress to him protect yourself on the downside here because odds are this guy will be broke in the next couple of years if not sooner. And the one quote that Josh used for me was and and I thought it was a, the best one probably to use is this story has two elements to it. One is let's embrace how amazing it is that someone is betting six figures and seemingly winning. Right? Is from the uh, accounts And when I say accounts, I mean people telling their side of the story. This guy's winning. Now, you never know for sure. Nobody can know. Brad and I can partner on betting. We don't. But Brad and I could, and he wouldn't know how much I'm winning. He could tell how we're doing as partners. He doesn't know if I'm doubling bets on some of them. He doesn't know if I'm uh, buying back some of them. You just don't know. No one can tell for sure what an individual is doing. But what we've got is multiple people on the record for the USA Today saying this guy's winning, All right? So on one hand, betting hundreds of thousands of dollars, hanging out with celebrities and winning when you're 25 and a college dropout is a story. And I'm interested in that. All right. Let's start there. But number two, and the analogy I used was a guy walking on a high wire and baby, this wire is high and it's windy. He doesn't have a net and he's teetering, and you're looking up, and you're thinking, huh, this is amazing. I wonder when he's going to fall. And to me, that's the story here is when does this guy fall, and I think it's going to be an interesting one to watch.
3: The point from a national standpoint or the points that I thought maybe he crossed the line or certainly are going to catch some attention. He claims he's a friend of Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham, at one point, Odell Beckham, hanging out in Vegas, said, hey, I need some money. So Big Rob lent him $10,000 so, so to this play is, the tables. This is depicted in the story. This is depicted in the story. Also, I thought this one was weird, bragging about being invited to an elite high-level poker game of Shelly Sterling's in L.A. I don't know if that would be cool with the people who organized the poker game. And uh, also another athlete that he says, he went as far as saying he knows Cal Kuzma and that Kuz will text him and see who he likes. <laughs> I, listen, Adam Silver's cool with sports gambling, is open to it, but I don't know if he wants some guy like this saying, Kuzma is asking him who he likes. So I thought those those were some of the big takeaways where now you're going to get some spotlight from leagues and uh, maybe some investigating. Yeah, but to what end? What's he doing illegal? I mean, if he's betting offshore, yeah. right? And I
2: don't know. Like you said, if you're betting high school football, you're betting offshore, or you're not betting in Nevada,
3: With a regulated book. I guess the question would be, RJ, as we're trying to get legalized sports gambling across the country, is this a bad look when this guy, whether he's real or not, may have friendships with pro athletes?
2: Yeah. You know what this is like? This is like saying when you start dating somebody and we all that are old enough. And I guess at this time of night, most are that you've dated is you have that situation is you don't want to burp or you want to make sure you have your, every time you kiss them, you've brushed your teeth within the last five minutes. Right. And then the time comes where that's not the case anymore. We need (laughs) to accept true or not. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) We need to accept that we can't act like Vegas is beyond human Because then we're never going to win if that's the bar. If the bar is... And, you know, I talked about this a few weeks ago, but it's worth talking about again. A few weeks ago, I had a meeting with one of the major leagues, me and two other guys, about game integrity. And they were asking a bunch of questions. And this was the best advice I gave them, I think. I said, you've got to educate the world that corruption, game fixing, is going to happen for sure. So... At some point after legalization, there will be a corruption scandal you know, fairly quickly, first year or two. If people think, oh my, this is a sign we've got a big problem, you lose. You can't be perfect. But if you set the bar and say, you know, we believe right now there's probably 30 pieces of corruption a year, and we think, and I'm just throwing that number out, we think we can lower it to half that in the first three years per annum and then go even lower in that after. Now, once a story comes out that's inevitable, it's like, huh, that's one of the 15, I guess. And if we got to think, oh, every guy that bets in Vegas never bets offshore, he never dates a stripper, he never does Adderall, whatever it is that humans do in every (laughs) freaking field throughout the country and the world, if somehow doing those same things in Vegas is an indictment, then we're never going to win, so I'm going to fight against that.
3: Let's hit the Saturday bowl games on the way back. Does the 1-7 mark in the Pac-12 in these bowl games mean that it's time to load up on Penn State against Washington? That's on the way, but first, Steve Desager with the latest.
0: No problem for Ohio State to win the Cotton Bowl tonight, 24-7 over USC. The Trojans with three turnovers in the first half, which Ohio State quickly turned into three touchdowns. Northwestern won its bowl game, 24-23 over Kentucky, which missed a two-point try in the final minute. Northwesterns won eight in a row. However, Wildcats quarterback Clayton Thorson, Northwestern suffered a knee injury, tackled downfield on a play. NC State won its bowl game, 52-31 over Arizona State, which committed four turnovers. Wake Forest won. 55-52 against Texas A&M thanks to a touchdown with about two minutes to go. And New Mexico State won a bowl game in overtime against Utah State 26-20. A combined 20 punts in that game. In the NBA nine games including another Houston loss. Their fifth straight. The Rockets with their longest losing streak in five years. Washington beat them 121-103. Milwaukee with a late basket controversially won at Oklahoma City 97-95. Charlotte with a victory at Golden State 111 to 100. College basketball Wins from Michigan State and West Virginia. I'm Steve DeSager.
3: Straight out of Vegas, rolling on. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. You
0: know, DeSager always seems frat.
3: Like it, it's always topical in the moment with him. He's awesome. He's totally awesome. Brad Powers is in the wise guy's chair. So we were talking about this cat who got a bunch of attention in to USA Today. Big Rob, 25 year old, living the high life, winning bets left and right. Now he may be getting banned at different sports books. There, there's and, and, always, and a, just to be clear, yeah. it's
2: not banned. From what I understand, it's not banned off of winning too much. It's banned off of apparently, and again, I'm going by reports, so we'll say allegedly uh, breaking some state regulations, which now that the story that's come out has the spotlight shining bright.
3: There can often be a backstory on a guy like this when it comes to Las Vegas and sports betting, right? Here's what I think. I'm going to
2: throw this out there, conspiracy theory, but maybe an educated one. So there's a really good book called Smart Money. And the book Smart Money was written actually, uh, I think it came out in 2012 or 13, but it was actually based on a football season or two back in 2002 and 3. So it was it's been a long time ago. And the rumor is, and I'll say again allegedly, that the story was about Billy Walters as the syndicate operator, allegedly, allegedly, and it was a situation where the guy who was betting was a famous guy, and one of the guys that was part of the story allegedly is Ashton Kutcher. Now, let's just say hypothetically now that it, it, Ashton Kutcher is a guy that wants to walk on the wild side a little bit, maybe back especially 15 years ago right when you're younger, where he was younger. And wouldn't it be great if you're, let's say, Billy Walters, the biggest better in the world for sports betting that you get a guy like a famous guy like Ashton and say, Hey, go in and say, you want to start betting and they're going to look you up on the internet and see, wow, he made 7 million or whatever the last movie. So the fact he wants to bet 300 K on this football game, we're fine with it. And maybe for the first 10 or so bets, Billy feeds them square plays understanding. Maybe they're going to lose 5% theoretically, on those bets, but it's camouflage. And that's a key phrase, camouflage, which is trying to cover up how sharp you really are with small losses. And blackjack players will do this. There's certain things like splitting eights, which seem crazy. Like if you do it, it's like you're drunk. And I'm no blackjack expert, but if you do it, it looks like you're insane. But it actually has only a very small negative expectation. So you're doing something that makes you look wacky That actually isn't all that bad. Right. So now all of a sudden they're thinking this guy doesn't, he's not a counter, he's not playing optimal strategy, just split eights, right? So (laughs) that's camouflage, right? Right. Coming with a cute girl who's drunk and you know, with a provocative top, that's camouflage. There's all kinds of ways these guys do it, right? Is if Kutcher in this hypothetical, hypothetical, said Okay, actually, you know, I've lost a little bit, Mister Sportsbook Operator. I want to bet. I want to bet more. I'm going to get you back. It's revenge time. Now the sportsbook operator's like, yeah, yeah he's got his <laughs> hands going, right, <laughs> giggling, and lo and behold, now he, this guy goes 17 and three because he's getting Billy's best stuff, and they beat the Vegas for nine million. Right. Well, it's a pretty smart move if you're Billy. Right. Now let's throw this last possibility out if you were a great salesman a great showman someone that could just a great actor and you could kind of present yourself as this you know limited intellect like let's say Big Rob presents himself and he does things like tips the valet 200 bucks okay camouflage oh he just dropped 10,000 playing blackjack huh camouflage perhaps because no Real good sports batter is going to drop it on blackjack. And lo and behold, though, when he makes his really big bets, they're coming from a syndicate. Wouldn't that be cover (laughs) just as good as a famous actor, which is going to be much, much harder to come by? Interesting.
3: Very interesting.
2: Very possible. And what's the books going to say? They're going to say, this guy seems so
3: stupid. (laughs) We got to keep taking his bets. Yep. No doubt. Mm. No doubt. Uh, 30 minutes ago, we opened with the Ohio State 24-7 win against USC. Pac-12, not doing well. Big Ten is doing well. We're about three minutes away from the Fiesta Bowl breakdown, Washington, Penn State, going at it. I want you to examine what happened today with this line, because I I know you were thinking about this during one of the breaks. Why did Ohio State go from 7.5 today to 10 with no breaking news about the USC side, What could be the reason for all that action?
2: I don't know. So we reached out to Steve Fezzik, who is our NFL specialist, only two time super contest champion. He was quoted in the article, too, a good bit. And he said he thought it was driven by what's happened. Because what is curious to me is it all happened today. It was seven and a half, seven and a half for a long, 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 long time. And then today goes to 10, up to the key number of 10. And the fact it was just on the game day. Now, if you go to pregame.com and you look at the game center, in the consensus tab, you can see the bet splits on every game and the cash splits. And the bets split was 50-50, literally, down the middle, Ohio State, USC, and it was 51 on the cash. So this was as even as you can get. So why is the line move up to 10? Well, it's because... They're booking faces. The sharpest of the sharps are betting it today. When I saw the line move, I thought it was some announcement. Darnold might not play more than the first half or whatever. And Brad, I mean, from what you could see, was there anything – that would have driven today's move other than what Fezzik thinks, and we can get to that in a moment, which is how good the Big Ten has been and how bad
4: the Pac-12 has been. Nothing. The only two scenarios could be Sam Darnold. There was something up with him, whether he was going to play or not, or just strictly, Big Ten really good, 4-0 and coming into that game. But if it was something
2: about Darnold playing, once he was on the field warming up, and they, the line would have dropped in the last yep. two or three minutes, you would think. Didn't happen. So to me, Fezzik's text, I think, tells the story, which is, hey, the Big Ten's done well up until the last day or two, but they've actually done even better in the last day or two, and the Pac-12 has done equally poorly in the last day or two. So kind of whatever sense you had of Big Ten up, Pac-12 down, it got, I think, accentuated significantly in the last 24 hours which he thinks his drive
4: drove this line move. And what happened late last night in the late game was the game that I think drove most of it. Michigan State, a team Ohio State beat 48-3, to beats Washington State, a team that beat USC, 42-17. to That game in itself might have drove the line a point, point and a half at least.
2: And I think that's a great segue to this Penn State-Washington because this game opened around Pickham or so. There was a rogue opener that had Penn State as a significant dog. But at the major books around Pickham, and that baby's up to two and a half, and I'm seeing two and a half with extra juice right now at Pinnacle, meaning it's moving towards three. So if you like the Big Ten and you don't like the Pac-12,
4: well, this seems like this is uh, the game that's in the spotlight. And if you like the Big Ten team, that being Penn State, you want to bet that one early. If you like the team in Pac-12, the Washington Huskies, I would say bet that more towards kickoff.
2: When you say early, you mean right
4: now. <laughs> right now. Like, hey, if you got an opportunity, run to the window and bet it now. Try to get that two and a half, because this is going to three, maybe even three and a half.
3: Is there a chance that, oh, so that's it, three and a half. It's not going to go crazy like, the Ohio state game where we're all of a sudden we're looking at a five. Well, but, but
2: remember now moving from seven and a half to 10 is pretty much like moving from two and a half to three and a half because three is such a key number. Okay.
3: A uh, key factor in this game. I like Penn state a lot, but you have to examine what's happened to the coaching staff.
4: Is everyone around for the game? And in Penn state's instance, no Joel Moorhead, their offensive coordinator is gone off to be the head coach of Mississippi state. And for those that aren't aware James Franklin, the head coach for Penn State, just got a new contract. He's been doing well. He was on the hot seat in the middle of last season until what happened. The offense took control. Joe Moorhead's been the offense corner each of the last two years. That hire in itself saved James Franklin's job. With no Moorhead there, I wonder if Penn State struggles in this game.
3: Flip side, Washington.
4: We start to look at the schedule. Who'd they play? (laughs) Well, they only play two bowl teams away from home. And neither one of those performances was a good look for Washington. In fact, those were their two losses. They failed to meet expectations, that being the Vegas line, by a combined 38 points in those two games. So a lot of question marks for Washington. And I also think
2: a macro point quickly is when you handicap bowl games, bowl games are much more like away games than home games. So different handicappers, some might double weight the home, uh, the away games. Some even don't ignore the home games. But in general, if a team doesn't perform well on the road, be skeptical in a bowl game.
3: So you got
4: a side leaner like or no side? You know what? I actually like the under and, and what I just laid 54 out. 54 and a half. Yeah, the under the total because I got two teams playing without their offense coordinators. So you got new co- coordinators, new position coaches playing and calling plays maybe for the first time. And you also got two top seven scoring defenses in the country. Makes a lot of sense. Peach Bowl
3: breakdown on the way. We got a great number with these group of five teams they have. Really done well. And I'll tell you, we are going to rapid fire in the last segment through five Saturday Bowl games. Leaner-like for Mr. Brad Powers. That's up next, Straight Outta Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight
1: out of Vegas!
3: Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Straight out of Vegas, finishing things up, but plenty to get to. Best down. bets down yep. the home stretch, baby. Best bet up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Saturday games to mention. Let's keep going. Tax Slayer Bowl. What a name. Uh, Louisville taking on Mississippi State. The Cardinals minus six and a half, but Bobby Petrino in bowl games,
4: not great. He isn't great, but I expect him to be great in this one. I like Louisville mainly because Mississippi State, their opponent is decimated. Lost their head coach, Dan Mullen, off the Florida. Lost their offense and defensive coordinators off the Florida. So they're not coaching in this game. And most importantly, their first team, all SEC quarterback, Nick Fitzgerald, got hurt in the regular season finale. They have to start a true freshman, making his first career start in this game against the former Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson. Love the Cardinals here minus the points.
2: Now seven is the more prevalent number at this point, Steve. So six and a half <laughs> is wishful thinking.
3: Okay, there you go. Uh, I mentioned the Peach Bowl. We'll put the breakdown on tomorrow's show. But there's a number in here. Boy, the bowl number straight up and against the spread on group of five against Power Five also plays into this
4: Liberty Bowl, Iowa State taking on Memphis. Yeah, that group of five number versus the Power Five is in major bowl games. We're talking the Fiesta, the Orange. But in this particular bowl game, the Liberty Bowl game, I think it's that rare instance where the Power Five team, Iowa State, is actually motivated playing a group of five team in Memphis. And why is Iowa State motivated? Number one, it's their first bowl game in five years. They exceeded expectations. And I also think matchup-wise, very favorable for Iowa State, similar to how Texas defended Missouri very well a couple bowl games back where Texas won outright. Iowa State has seen this type of spread offense that Memphis runs each and every week in the Big 12. And Iowa State excelled, allowing 21 points per game. So if you're shutting down Oklahoma, you're shutting down TCU, I think you can at least contain Memphis here. I like Iowa State plus the points.
3: Brad Powers, best bet time for Saturday bowl games. I love this game, and I don't know where you're going with this, because these are two teams, RJ, you remember, all year long. Miami, overrated. Wisconsin,
4: overrated. Now they're facing
3: off. What do you do?
4: I like Miami, and they therefore they are my best bet in this one, and I think the matchup favors Miami here. You look at the quarterback for Wisconsin, prone to turnovers, 15 interceptions for Alex Hornibrook. What team forces turnovers better than any other Power 5 team in the country? It was that Miami defense that got all the publicity as far as the turnover chain. And another thing. Wisconsin, what do they struggle with? Well, team speed as far as the opposing defense. Saw it in the Ohio State game. They struggled there. I think they'll struggle with Miami. Very similar. Miami's defense against a powerful rush attack in Notre Dame. Shut them down. I like Miami in this one outright even. A little bit sprinkle on the money line.
2: Yeah, so we're going through these games quickly, but we have the Dream Preview, College Edition, and NFL Edition. NFL Edition, me and Fezzik spent about two hours breaking down the motivation of week 17. And tomorrow we'll be talking about that with Fezzik in studio, but deep dive. And on the college side, we broke down every game from here through the playoffs. And by the way, tomorrow we'll be talking the playoffs. Also just go to my Twitter though. If you want to check out those podcasts,
3: his Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. So the deep dive, we may need an update, What is going on with Baker Mayfield? Oklahoma clearly needs him. He's the most impactful player, I think, left in the college football playoff. He has not been able to fulfill his media responsibilities the last couple of days. Voice
4: is just jacked. So what's wrong with him? He's dealing with an illness, and he's missed multiple practices. And One practice doesn't move the needle for me, but when it's three straight, and it's the week of the game, and you haven't been participating in conditioning and stuff okay, maybe you are healthy by the time the game comes around, but are you conditioned if you haven't been practicing all week? And I'll tell
2: you this, missing practice is one piece of the puzzle, but is he going to be 100%? Now, it's, I don't like looking at my rea- physical reality and comparing it to a Heisman winner or an NFL player, <laughs> but when I've got the flu, right, by the time I'm able to go back to work, I'm not 100% for four or five days, and I'm sitting in a chair – talking, right? So we all know when you work out, you get the flu, you work out that first time after the flu. What are you? 60, 70%? Now I get maybe he can transcend
4: that, but I think it's a big question mark. A major concern for a team that I was looking to play Oklahoma plus the points. How will the market react the next day and a half? Well, the line's gone. I was I was very surprised. I thought
2: this game would be moving towards pick right now. It's two and a half and the juice is just about even. So right now it's two and a half. I'd be very surprised if it goes to three, but if he's still less than a hundred percent Mayfield coming towards the eve of the game, you might see a three.
3: I love what we have tomorrow with the NFL because motivation is it's, what, what? Un- it's unlike any week right. during
2: the season is literally every game. We're going to be telling you, motivation is key and we've got some surprises where we think there's some good motivation
3: back tomorrow 10 o'clock pacific
1: jonas knox on the way from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is uncanny usa He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.